0: You, know, you can just imagine the sorts of things we see there's there's the classic tales of people being cut out and um, even the court having to censor wills because of the nasty things that are written in it um, about prospective beneficiaries mm-hmm.
1: Hey, Sally. Hey, Kate. How's ISO life treating you? (sighs) I mean, it's treating me all right, but it's all right. We're still here. Pocket money lives another day. We are together and alone all at the same time.
2: (laughs) It's so true. Hey, on my travels through Finderland, um, I came across a really interesting piece of data. The first one is that our research at Finder shows that 70% of Australians don't have a will. That seems wild to me. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But the other interesting thing is when we did this research, we were also seeing 171% increase in traffic to finder looking for things related to how to make a will.
1: Yowza! It's something that's on everyone's minds. So do you have a will? I mean, look, I was gonna say, (laughs) I was so shocked that 70% of Australians don't have a will, but here I am and I don't have one. (sighs) Ah, shame. (laughs) <laughs> do you have one? I assume you do because you have kids and you're a responsible adult, unlike me. Uh, well,
2: actually, I was outraged. I only got a will after someone pointed out it was a good idea seeing I had children. It is interesting that people's mindset, maybe, you know, it only happens, like you said, if you have kids or you bought a house or I don't know. But um, it turns out that maybe there's a bit more to having a will than just, you know, supposedly having assets or even having kids. Um, what did
1: you find out about this? I know you've been digging into it a little. Yeah, definitely. Had some questions of my own around this topic. So, to get the insider info on today's episode, we're chatting to Anna Hacker, who is the principal of Australian Unity Trustee Legal Services. And she also hosts her own podcast called What Happens When I Die, which answers some of these murky questions.
2: If you're thinking, eh, Will's boring, there's some pretty, pretty interesting stuff in there. So, keep your ears out. Sally and I had our mouths hanging open at one point that's how spicy it was so oh yeah stay in and stay tuned
1: we're recording today's episode of pocket money from our home so just a little apology in advance for any dodgy sound quality along the way So, to talk all things wills and estate planning, we have Anna Hacker with us here. Welcome to Pocket Money. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you both. I love talking about estate planning.
0: Um, I'm an accredited specialist in wills and estate. I have been doing estate planning, which is a type of law looking at assisting people to write their own wills, do powers of attorney, make sure they've covered themselves in their lifetime and also after death
1: so according to some recent finder research Anna, 70 percent of australians don't have a will so obviously this is your area of expertise why should why should we all have a will Well, it's really critical to make
0: sure that people do have a will, because if you don't, then it's actually legislation that says how your estate will be divided. That means you don't get a say in who actually benefits from your estate. And in some cases, you might have people you don't want to benefit from benefiting, or it might not be in the most tax effective or the best approach for those beneficiaries. So that's absolutely why people should have a will. But, yeah, it's quite scary, 70%. And that, that's what most studies show across the line.
2: Anna, we've seen a massive upswing in people hitting the finder site um, for our content around how to write a will, do you need a will. I think it's like a 171% increase in traffic um, around coronavirus. Why is this happening now?
0: It's really interesting because we've seen a 61% increase in the number of clients this last few months compared with a year ago. So we're seeing the same number of people who are actually following through and getting their estate planning done, which are huge numbers because it's really hard to convince people to actually get a will done. It's something that's always in the to-do list. I think that's why this has brought people to that point of wanting to get their wills done. I hope that it's not because people are, facing um their their own deaths um imminently but it certainly is bringing it to the fore it's making people think about what they need to get in place they're concerned about their kids they're thinking about what happens to everything that i've built up even if they don't think it's actually a lot they want to make sure they have control because i think that's that's the case when people don't have control over other things what they want is some level of control. And it's absolutely why wills, power of attorney, all of those estate planning documents are something that people are turning to to say, this is something I can make sure goes the way I want.
1: And that's why we're seeing that huge increase. And for people who don't have one yet, what do you need to include in your will? So that's a, a
0: probably very complex question and very much based on individual needs. Um, As a lawyer, I would say what you need to do is see a lawyer to get a will done. But what most people will do when they go and get a a will prepared is they'll have to look at what are their assets? What are their objectives? And that's really the critical part here because a will is, is really the end product of the estate planning process. So the will is almost not the most important thing. That's why DIY wills are often not really a great thing for people to do because they don't actually have that advice component and advice is really critical so if you have your objectives you have your assets you know how things are structured and how they're set up and what you want to achieve that's probably the most important thing to have just the document without the advice and understanding what your objectives are it's probably not worth as much as having that that full process um done from from start to finish
2: and then what sort of things do people not think about when they're putting together a will? Like I've heard of things like, uh, for example, how you'd like your funeral to go or there's other elements aren't there than just thinking about, I have these things and who I'm going to leave them to. What are some of the common ones people don't think about that they should think about?
0: Absolutely, it goes far beyond just what your, in, your your assets are or what your sentimental items are that you want to give to people. It's about who you want your children to be looked after and it's not really just those questions. So so that leads on to other things, not just who looks after your kids but how. So people need to think about what is it that they need to put in place, do they need to put trusts in place, which sounds really scary but it's actually pretty simple who actually is managing that money for the children? What sort of rules do they have around what they can do to spend it or not spend it? They also need to think about um, things, and this is something that they often don't, the funeral. Exactly as you said, people don't usually put their funeral wishes into a will or if they do, they don't communicate it to the executor, which is also a critical part. If you have an executor who's going to manage your affairs, they need to know They are actually in that role. That's actually something that a lot of people don't do, but they need to make sure the executor understands what that role is and what your wishes are, especially to do with things like the funeral or anything that's discretionary, something that they might get a choice about which way to go, which path to go down.
2: And could you explain for us, Anna, what is an executor? What's their role um, when you... you get a will together?
0: Yeah. So the executor is the person or it might be an organization because sometimes there's a lot of family conflict or or it might be complex and you might think, I need someone independent to come in and, and manage this estate. That's that entity or that person that manages and administers your estate. So they do things like they close bank accounts, they tell the power company that you've passed away, which means the that there's not bills coming in, they pay all the liabilities, so they make sure that all the debts are paid, and then they follow the wishes in the will. So if the will is really clear, their job's pretty, pretty straightforward a lot of the time. But unfortunately, with the complex lives we have, um, blended families wanting to gift lots of assets to different people overseas, there's a lot of complexity. So the executor's role really depends on the will itself. But it, overall, it's about administering the estate, making sure everything's in order, all the assets are called in and then the beneficiaries benefit in the way the will said they should benefit.
2: And who would, so, like you said, sometimes it can be an institution. If you're going to nominate someone, would you nominate a family member or a friend or who, who would be best? What are some of the examples you've seen that have worked well?
0: Anyone who looks to a family member who is is good with money, it has, it has you know, an understanding of family backgrounds and can manage the different personalities involved in an estate is a really good choice. So a family member is usually the first port of call. When there's not someone that you immediately think of that could fulfil that role, that's when you need to start kind of looking outside of the family. Friends are, are good as well, but again, you need to weigh up. Is that really something you want to give to a friend who may not know your family very well, who may also then be stuck between the family members they know and the ones that they don't so you need to sort of weigh those things up looking at an external institution or organization like a trustee company that's a, a really good option if there's conflict and if there's complexity so if there might be various businesses that people just won't know what to do with that they might also be swayed by really emotional things which makes an estate administration really complicated to have that independence and the not the, the lack of the bias really is the biggest issue. You know, if there's a family member that feels everyone's against me and that particular executor is going to seem to side with other people, that creates cost, it wastes time, it, it makes it very complicated. So have it, that's when independent organisations or a trusted advisor, so a financial advisor, an accountant, that sort of person or that role can come in and, and step in and assist
1: it really does seem like a bit of an overwhelming task so i just wanted to circle back um to one of the points that you made earlier just about being prepared um so how do you prepare your yeah your will and when you are estate planning are you able to expand and maybe give a couple of examples yeah absolutely so the first thing i'll say
0: is that everyone feels overwhelmed when they come in to do their estate plan. And so in a way that I think often makes people feel more comfortable because it's not just them, it's not just their lives, sitting on their shoulders thinking, what am I going to do? I think when people realise this is something that everyone feels and goes through, that can make them feel a little bit better. And the best thing is that by the end of the process, everyone feels so relieved. It's the most common thing we hear at the end. I'm so glad I got I actually got this done and I'm, I am wish I'd done it earlier. <laughs> but to actually prepare and get ready for doing your will, you need to look at what your assets are. So the best thing is to really write down a list. What are your assets? When you think about your beneficiaries, you need to think about who you do have a responsibility for because you, you get the freedom to do what you want in your will. You don't have to leave something to everyone. It's kind of a gut feel. It's usually spouses and children. Beyond that, we don't really have a responsibility unless you wish to. So you kind of weigh up what your assets are. You look at them. You look at the way that they are distributed as well. The biggest issue and mistake we see with DIY wills is that people leave superannuation to specific beneficiaries that either can't receive it or if they receive it, they're taxed Mm -hmm. at a different rate to the other beneficiaries. But in general, unless there's some sort of financial dependence, there might be tax payable.
1: I assume that a lot of people do DIY wills because they think it's cheaper. But I assume in the long run, maybe that's not the case. But how much does it cost to get a will made, especially if you are going to get advice or have a lawyer involved? Yep,
0: it can range quite a bit. So um, the, the price ranges that we have, and I'll use us as an example, it can go from A couple of hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars and the few thousand dollars is the bells and the whistles the trusts you know multiple trusts looking at family trusts maybe family businesses setting up um, disability trusts for beneficiaries that might need some sort of protection but that's the range it's quite big but it can absolutely for a straightforward will you you you're probably only looking at a few hundred dollars it's not a big cost when if it get gets done incorrectly, it costs thousands, tens of thousands in maybe tax, in maybe legal fees. And I, I, I do cringe whenever I see them um, as an estate planner. And when I do lit- litigation, we love DIY wills because there's inevitably something wrong with it. Um, and it sounds terrible. I'm not saying I want people to do DIY wills, but they certainly,
2: um, you end up paying for it at some point. So there is, yeah, there is a a, a cost. What might be a saving in the, in the beginning may not be. And I'm thinking about Sally and myself. So we've got, you know, there's a bit of age gap between us. Um, I've got two kids and a, you know, pretty substantial mortgage, unfortunately, but I guess that could be considered as assets. When (laughs) Sally doesn't have either of those things, what would you say to, to someone like Sal what, does she need a will? You know, like what, what, would she, what, what would be the sell to her that having a will is important if you think it is?
0: Yeah. Look, I say, and a lot of people probably laugh, but I think that as soon as someone turns 18, they need to think about their first will, um, your first estate plan. One, because I think it's a good habit it's a good habit to get into, you know, you you shouldn't think of it as something that you do when you retire. It's something for as soon as you have any wealth and you probably have a lot more wealth than what you think. If you think about your superannuation and insurance, that actually can add up to quite a substantial estate. I have had estates from quite young people that have just had their part-time job down at McDonald's and then there's insurance associated with their super. Suddenly their estate, they might have a few part-time jobs, suddenly their estates are half a million dollars. Now that is worth making sure that goes to the right person. And and certainly uh, when, you know, we are um, maybe in a situation where there's not the obvious, you know, there might not be kids that you're needing to look at for guardianship, but, you know, we, we do see conflicts in, you know, okay, well, is this to parents, is this to siblings, is this to a partner? there's lots of options there honestly most people come in and say oh my estate's really easy it's really straightforward but there's always something that's just a little bit different
1: wow that's amazing because it really is something that i know i personally wouldn't have really thought of until you know maybe there were children involved or you know if i did have a house or an investment property or something that I would traditionally consider an asset. But that's such a good point because I think that super, especially we kind of just think about it in the back of our mind. It's not really something that we consider to be an investment or an asset, but it really is. So I think that's a really good point.
2: So I've heard um, people wiser than me say that, uh, you know, a will is kind of a gift to the people that you love and care about. Is that a good way to think about it? You just mentioned families are messy, um, you know, relationships are complicated. Would you agree that it's, you know, doing that can be incredibly helpful to the people you leave behind?
0: Yeah, I think that the will is absolutely... For someone going through probably one of the the worst times of their life with grief and um, the loss of a loved one, to have the will there, to have some guidance, to, to maybe not have to think about everything, especially if there's funeral instructions and maybe instructions, you know, heaven forbid someone, you know, who has young kids, to have some instruction about what's meant to happen um, for the children as well, that does absolutely take pressure off so it is a gift so long as it's done properly because if it's not then it's the opposite no you can just imagine the sorts of things we see there's there's the classic tales of people being cut out and um, even the court having to censor wills because of the nasty things that are written in it. Um, about prospective beneficiaries. Um, But the the will is meant to be there absolutely to
1: help. And we have spoken about how there is a huge uplift in interest around estate planning right now. So if you already have a will, what are some of the elements that you should be looking at or maybe updating right now, you know, given we're in the midst of COVID-19? I think that
0: when we talk about looking at a review of your estate plan, we talk about um, critical moments in your life where there might be a change. So it might be when there's kids, when there's a new big asset that you need to look at. I think COVID-19 is one of those things that is a precursor to someone doing a review. And it might be that they don't need to change anything, but it just is a, a reason to look to make sure that what you have in place is what you're intending. When we say you should review your estate plan every sort of three to five years, that doesn't mean it needs to change. It just means you need to make sure what you have in place is is what you're intending. And interestingly at the moment, because obviously a will, you, you need to see someone face-to-face um, to actually sign and witness a will. So that's part of the, the formal requirements for a will. Because we can't see people face-to-face or people might not want to see us, even though lawyers are considered essential although i think technically we're not non-essential but anyway that's a technical side we are allowed to go and witness wills in people's houses but people don't want to do that so some of the states have brought in some really interesting new legislation and uh, sorry i'm a lawyer so legislation is exciting for me but the legislation (laughs) talks about doing remote witnessing so using things like zoom using skype to actually witness people signing a will. And it's probably the most exciting thing to happen in estate planning in like 500 years, because up until now, we've had to be physically in the same room and we have to show you that we were in the same room by using the same pen. Even, you know, they test ink in some cases to, if they think that the, the, the pen was a different pen and people weren't in the same room. That's how exciting this is. So this, this terrible thing, the COVID-19 and, being isolated has actually pushed the law to a point where now we're looking at really different ways of making sure people can get that comfort of having a will signed legally and validly, not in every state. And it's very specific how it has to happen but it's still amazing to me. I, I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime. It, the lawyers can be quite behind in a lot of ways, but it's wonderful that they saw that this was a really important thing for people to do, and it's interesting that it happened before we saw the spike in the number of wills being written. It, we, we knew, I think all the state planners knew this sort of crisis was going to lead to people wanting to update their wills.
2: Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it, how necessity drives these changes and that's a great um, removal of a barrier, I'm sure. What happens if you don't have a will and you die? What happens? So
0: each state has different, of course, legislation around how your estate's administered, essentially the people that are your next of kin. So the people you'd probably expect, it might be a a spouse, it might be a parent, might be children, are the ones that can administer your estate. And then it's divided according to a table in the legislation. So let's say there's a spouse and children, it's divided in a certain way. And again, depending on the state, it's different depending on on, um, where you've passed away. If you have children from a current relationship and children from a previous relationship, it's different again. If you have, um, let's say no children and there's maybe parents, then it might go to your parents. It can be quite complex and in a lot of cases, we need to do things like family trees to work out where someone's estate goes which can be really costly it can be really difficult um and with australia being such a multicultural um
2: society we we're often going overseas as well what happens with debt i've heard people say well i'm in debt so um you know that'll just die with me is that true
0: No, it's not. In most cases, debt will continue and the estate has to pay. So there's certainly estates that are bankrupt because there's no money to pay, pay for the debts. Um, Mortgages continue and and either have to be paid out or transferred to the the new beneficiary credit card debts. I mean, I I absolutely, I, 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 I know a lot of people think exactly that because they, if some people know that they might be about to pass away because of an illness or something. They just do whatever they want and rack up as significant credit card debt. I think under the false assumption that it will all go and it doesn't. So um, that can be difficult because families then may be left with a lot of debt. They don't have to pay it themselves. Personally, the families, that's the biggest myth that they, people think, Oh, if I inherit, then that means I inherit the debt. Yes. And no, you don't have to pay it out of your personal assets but you can't inherit an asset if there's debt sitting there.
2: Mm. Um, I just had a random question. What about, we talked about children, but what about pets? It's a really interesting one. Um, So
0: uh, there's some, (laughs) some listeners may find this distressing. I'm going to break this is not what you're expecting i'm sure so there's the the side of estate planning where people are very focused on making sure their pets are looked after they might i've done trusts for pets to make sure pets are cared for there might be bets bills paid or particular beneficiaries benefit there's the other side which is people who want to be buried with their pets so it's in the will that. They will actually have a, a particular pet, yeah, euthanized and buried with them. Yes, it's quite shocking. Oh um, my god! Certainly not uncommon. We've seen quite a few <laughs> in the time I've been an estate planner. Um, it's not uncommon at
2: all to
1: have. I am mind blown. Oh my anyway. god! I'm so
2: glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like the answer, but. No. No,
0: no. I, I don't think that was the answer that you're expecting at all. No. Um, because, yeah, most, most people do set up trusts and th- or, or set money aside. You know, if this person takes my cat, then they get $1,000. Or if a certain, certain welfare organisation looks after my pet and rehomes them, then they get this amount. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the other side, which is a lot more common than you would probably expect, is that people have their pets cremated with them um, or buried with them.
1: Wow. And Anna, you've mentioned trust quite a few times. Is a trust, like what is a trust? Is a trust different to a will? So
0: a trust is different depending on where it is. So within a will, there's usually trusts. They are generally referred to as testamentary trusts. That just means it's a will in a trust in a will. Um, there are other types of trusts that people set up during their lifetime they might be called family trusts unit trusts unit holder trusts things that are set up maybe for business or for distributing money to various family members and that's usually in someone's lifetime so there's different types of trusts they can be a part of the will or they might not be if you have trusts you need to deal with them in the will Um, but you can absolutely set them up as a part of it. So it's the most common one we probably see is people benefiting a minor child and the minor child needs those assets held until they're 18. And that's a trust. It's it's as simple as
1: that. If there was one key takeaway that you want people listening to this episode to get, what would that be?
0: The key takeaway from me would be get advice that you need to make sure that you don't just think of the will as the end of the estate. That is the end of the estate plan, but it needs the advice with it. So absolutely, that has to be, for me, what I hope people take away from this, that it is, it is unfortunately complicated. That's not because we want it to be complicated. It just is. Life is complicated. We, we can't make it less complicated. And if you try to, unfortunately, it can, it can mean that your wishes aren't fulfilled. So that's absolutely the key. Advice, advice, advice.
1: Well, thank you so much, Anna. I've learned so much. And yeah, I know that personally estate planning wasn't on the top of my to-do list, but I feel like now it's something that I should probably start looking into.
2: Sorry, I'll make really sure good. she does it.
1: <laughs> well, you know,
0: I'm always happy to give, you know, some advice. And <laughs> have got a lawyer, you can get some advice.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, It's great to know, like, like Sally said, you know, it's a topic people don't like to think about. And it is really interesting at the moment that we possibly, you know, we've got this downtime, we are thinking about sorting out our lives and getting to those things on our to-do list that we never do. And um, I think you've really helped frame why it's important. I think, you know, a lot of us don't think beyond ourselves right now. Um, And um, I'm never going to forget the pet story. (laughs) Oh, no. Wow, Sally. <laughs> what a do journey.
1: Thing or two? Me too. Got some extra things on my to-do list now. To do list, but also like I guess I, 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 you know, even though I have a will, I've always thought about it sort of just like
2: what I want, like and 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 sorting out the things I have to sort out. But I guess what I've never thought about before is it is actually kind of a gift to the people you love. And look, I I know when my mum died a couple of years ago unexpectedly, we were just reeling, and you know, four kids and a dad all just barely coping and having those clear instructions was so helpful and I'd never really thought about them. Does it change your mind on, on the status quo?
1: Oh definitely especially because at this point like I don't own my own home and you know whether or not children will come into play we'll have to see further down the road but Yeah, it's just a very interesting topic that I think everybody should consider. And yeah, it's a bit of a tough one to think about. You kind of just want to push it away, but we all have the spare time now.
2: That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you think of it as an investment in, you know, think of people that you love, maybe it's a way of reframing it. And, you know, as Anna said, there's a bit of a cost. and I totally get that. But having a think about it at least um, and getting the, the, the wheels turning on that is a really good start.
1: So we covered a lot of ground in today's episode. So for all of the resources that we mentioned, as well as a link to Anna's podcast, head to finder.com.au slash podcast for the the show notes
2: feel free to leave us a review on apple Podcasts, or tell a friend about the show and share the love you can join us on instagram at pocket
1: money podcast and slide into our dms any and as always pocket money is hosted by me sally and the lovely kate brown it is produced by ankita shetty and edited by our pal josh litherland and thanks again to anna for being such a fabulous guest on today's episode until next time pal stay safe see ya the finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips tools and strategies that will help you make better decisions Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening.